Welcome to the Monday show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about anything going on in your life. Whatever's on your heart, all you have to do is to call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app, And as always, if you are driving on these wet, cold streets today, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else will be hands-free and safe, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you can tell today, I've got my deep voice going. I'm dealing with a couple things, so thank you for bearing with me. And then we have got a couple scheduling announcements tonight because it's Thanksgiving week. Um, we're not having our men's, women's, or youth Bible studies here at 7 o'clock as we uh, almost always do, uh, giving all of the families a chance to get ready for guests and or cooking and all that other stuff. So no Bible studies tonight. Tomorrow I will have a guest, Pastor Chris Sanchez, uh, who is uh, one of my youth pastors, and we're going to talk about hermeneutics in response to the question that Ron uh, from Converse sent in last week. And uh, he'll be available to take some phone calls and answer some questions. He'll also, I hope, talk about uh, uh, our Saturday uh, Pastor's Discipleship class, where he and Pastor Matthew uh, were able to uh, to address parents, and there were some kids in the room as well. So we had a really good day on Saturday. Okay, until we get some phone calls, I'll go to the questions that have already been sent. Um, Here is one from Jesus. He said, how can I be sure I'm in God's will? How can I find God's will? Um, Jesus, I, I think I touched on this briefly at the end of last week, but let me just say, um, God's will is not as mysterious as we have a tendency to make it. You know, we want God to send us a text and say, okay, at 10 o'clock, I want you to do this. At 12 o'clock, I want you to do this. We want details. And God says, if I gave you details, it wouldn't require faith. Now, remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God will never put you in that position. He wants you to have to trust him. And the way we trust him, Jesus, is simply to follow him, to surrender to whatever his plan is, even though we may not know it. And here's the most important thing. If, in fact, we're walking with Jesus, we cannot miss his will. So that's the idea. We've got to be in the will of God. But the way we can do that, beyond any doubt, is to walk with Jesus, to be with Jesus, to follow him very, very closely, and we can't miss it. It's sad that too many people want God to send them those details. I understand Why we want them, it makes everything more comfortable. But God is simply saying, I want you to trust me. So, Jesus, by faith, don't take matters into your own hands. Don't act out of impatience. Always check your motives with the Lord. And then if you are following Jesus, it's impossible for you to miss his will. So there's no formula. 
The closest thing we have to a formula is Romans chapter 12, where we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, uh, holy and pleasing to the Lord. So certainly got to walk pursuing personal holiness. Uh, but then we have to, to, to be transformed, uh, no longer conforming to the patterns of this world. We've got to say goodbye to the things of this world. And we got to look at the things of this world um, from a completely different perspective. And then we simply say, Jesus, my mind is going to be made new. And then, of course, Jesus, the only place that we can make our minds new, to, to think new, is in his word. So it's not as mystical as we think. Um, I say often on this program that if your heart is right with God, you don't have to be right because he then can direct your steps. And the only way that we can demonstrate that our heart right is right with God is to be obedient, to follow him. So, Jesus, I hope that helps. Uh, I've, I've done two Bible studies these last two Sundays um, talking about um, getting the power of the Holy Spirit walking uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and the only way we can miss it is to do our thing instead of God's thing. And God's will is pretty much the same thing. Jesus, thank you for the question. Here's a question from Jim. He said, Pastor Ron, why would God choose me before he was, I'm sorry, before the foundation of the world when he knew I was going to mess things up so badly? Jim, the answer to that question, when you find it, you can tell me. Because I can promise you that you didn't mess things up as badly as I did. And I had a good situation. I mean, I had a lot of money. I had a beautiful family. Um, from the outside looking in, it appeared that I had it all going. And I messed that up. So why would God choose me? Well, it's simple. He loves you. He loves you. He knew before the foundation of the world that your name was going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, Jim, I'm assuming that you're a born-again Christian, but if you're not, even the question that you're asking indicates that the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart. So here's what you do. Don't worry about why God chose you. Just delight in the fact that he did. Now, if you want specifics, it's simple. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things to shame the strong, the despised things, even the things that are not. And he did it to demonstrate to the world how great his power to save really is. And so the responsibility we have, Jim, is simply to enjoy the fact that we have been chosen. Romans 8.29 has always been one of my very personal favorites because that verse is so uh, personal to me. It, it simply says, and I'm going to use my paraphrase, it simply says that God decided to set his love upon me in eternity past because he knew in February 1991 I was going to surrender my heart to Jesus. That's when my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And all of the horrible, ugly things, Jim, that I did from the time that he wrote my name in the Book of Life until the time that I actually gave my heart to him, none of those things could change his mind about loving me. You know, we humans are fickle. If uh, we love somebody, we'll love them. And then if they don't treat us the way we want, we change our mind and we don't love them anymore. Jesus never changed his mind about me, Jim. And he never changed his mind about you. And the fact that he was patient, that while you were an enemy of God, he 
set his love upon you is really a reason to rejoice. You know, Jim, this is Thanksgiving week. And people like you and people like me, we have the most to be grateful for. Simply because he did decide to love me and I couldn't change his mind. This is one of the mysteries um, in life, but it's also just the best possible thing. God loved you, and that's why he chose you. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it very, very much. Here is an anonymous question. He or she wants to know, can demons hurt us physically? Um, The answer is, I guess, yes. But in order to hurt you physically, they would have to have the um, the permission of God. It's that simple. If you are a born again Christian, anonymous, then um, the, the enemy can uh, and 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 strong demons can sort of recreate pain, but they can't actually touch you physically without the express permission from God. Now the reality is, we know that Job was given that permission, um, uh, or the devil was given permission to afflict Job physically. We also know that uh, the devil was given permission to afflict the Apostle Paul physically. Uh, we know that from Second Corinthians chapter 12. And that was an opportunity for Paul to learn that God's grace is sufficient. Um, I'll be with you during this, this physical trial. Uh, so, so certainly it's possible. They're far more powerful than we are. We know in the book of Acts, um, I think it's chapter 19, uh, we know that uh, the seven sons of Siva were trying to cast out demons uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the demons basically said to him, well, I, we know about Paul and Jesus, of course, we know. But who are you? And they ran out of the man and beat him uh, silly. And they ran away naked and bleeding. So, yeah, they have the power to hurt us physically. But here's the key. Without the express permission of God, all they can do is huff and puff and threaten to blow your physical house down, but they can't touch you physically. It's interesting. I've had, uh, I used to suffer from migraine headaches. I had some allergies to some things that took me for a very, very long time to, uh, uh, to, to figure out what the source of it was and, and bring it under control. But um, I, I remember one day I was going to serve. It was a very important thing. Um, I was excited about serving, and I got the worst migraine ever. I mean, it was just horrible. And I remember taking a short walk with the Lord outside our house. Uh, this is back in California. And and I remember saying, Lord, I've made a commitment. I'm going to be here and I'm going to serve. And and I'm just going to have to ask you to help fix this. And I, I said to the Lord in my walk, I just said, if if this is real, then you have to heal me, Lord, because I'm going to serve. No matter how bad I feel, I'm going to serve. But if this isn't real, if this is just a spiritual attack, and I had some sense of discernment back then um, that that this was spiritual. I said, but but if this is a spiritual attack, then Jesus, I want you to know I'm going to serve anyway, and I'm going to trust in you. And you know, Anonymous, when I did that, the pain went away instantly. So I, I know experientially that the enemy has the ability to recreate pain, uh, but it's not real. It's just, um, they're supernatural beings, and beyond that, I really can't explain it, but I think you can rest. They can't hurt you. They'll try to scare you to death. Uh, they'll threaten to hurt you physically, um, but but see, this is where we walk by faith. 
uh, put on the helmet of salvation, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, he can't get you uh, if you're if you're ready for battle. And and that's where you take your stand. And just one other hint, Anonymous, when I'm under attack like that, uh, I never, ever, ever talk to the devil. I know some people do, and I'm not saying it's 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 a, 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 a terrible thing, but I just don't like to spend any time talking to the devil. So what I do is simply say, Jesus, you hear the threats, and you hear the lies. And I, I just say, Lord, you handle them. Because I'm not going to talk to him. I want to speak with you. I want to spend time with you. So no, they can't hurt you physically unless God has said expressly that it's okay. And frankly, Anonymous, I don't think that the devil uh, and God spend too much time talking about you or me. I think they got their their hearts and minds set on, on bigger fish in the sea. I told the Lord, I said, Jesus, if my name never comes up in a conversation between you and, and uh, the devil, then I'm just fine with that. So I hope that makes sense to you, Anonymous. Trust in God. Don't be afraid. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Ben. He says, I love God, but I keep finding myself not being content in life. How can I learn to be content? Ben Paul says it's a secret. Now, I don't know why it's a secret. But even the great Apostle Paul said it was something he had to learn. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. Uh, Ben, I think I've learned it too. Now, I'm not necessarily naturally a content guy. Um, I'm I'm a guy, just the way I've always been wired. In business, it doesn't matter. I can see things that are wrong and want to fix them. And some people will say, well, that's, that's being negative. Well, it's not being negative. I just, things have to be fixed for me. I'm a fixer. And and uh, if something is wrong, then I'm not ever comfortable with it being wrong, uh, especially if it's something that I can fix. Um, so so this is a, a secret that I had to learn as well. Now, I'm going to give you the, 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 the quick and easy answer because this is what my church hears all the time. Just be with Jesus. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Um, the joy of the Lord, we're told, is our strength. So when you're with Jesus, you're going to be content because you're going to be in a good place. Walking in the will of God, even though sometimes it can be very hard, walking in the will of God is always a wonderful place to be. And there's great joy and there's great peace, once again, even in difficult times. So that's the easy answer, just be with Jesus. But I think it starts even before that with learning to be grateful. Paul says, give thanks in everything. Now, that's a hard one. If he said, give thanks for everything, then it would be impossible. But he doesn't. He said, give thanks in everything. Now, if you're going through something, a particularly difficult time, you can say, Lord, I'm grateful to you that you're here with me in this. I don't like this. This is not comfortable. This isn't what I want. But Jesus, you're here with me. And you can be grateful for that. Um, it's, it's Thanksgiving this week. And talking about gratitude ought to be right at the forefront of everybody's mind and heart. And the way that we um, do that is just focus on the things that God has done. 
Uh, it's one of the gifts God has given me. I guess I could say the secret of being content um, is is to be married to Paula, but you can't do that because I already am. But but God has given me a gift, and Paula is always sort of reframing the 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 circumstances to to honor and glorify God, and 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 I actually learn a lot about that from her. And so you got to learn to be grateful. Um, if you're feeling sick, you're not grateful for being sick, but you can say, Lord, in in this illness, I need to hear from you, and I know you're here. When I get up in the morning, I always face the east, the sun rising, and a lot of times I'm up in the morning before the sun is up, and I can look at the eastern sky and say, I know you're coming up, Lord. And I'm grateful. So because I know you're there today of my own free will, I choose to serve Jesus. And and you just know, I'm, Lord, I, I'm going to be with you all day. I'm going to listen for you all day. Whatever work I've got to do today, you're here. And I can be grateful for all of those things. Let me also say, Ben, that Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, actually the whole book of Philippians, I'm studying that uh, here at the church on Friday nights now. Uh, I'm just getting into uh, chapter 2 this coming Friday. And we will, by the way, we will be having services Wednesday night. Uh, It is the the least attended service, uh, Wednesday night service of the year, every year. Because people are home, they've got family and friends in, or they're going somewhere else. And and, uh, a lot of women are cooking and preparing everything. Uh, Not just women cook, you know what I mean. Um, but so so it'll be the least attended service all year, and yet if if there's only a few people that show up, we're gonna have a Bible study. And um, um, again, because this is Thanksgiving week, um, that whole book deals with joy, and Paul is writing that book about joy from a prison cell. Uh, his circumstances are horrible, and he said he's learned the secret of being content. So I just think we need to focus on that which we're grateful for. We have a tendency to focus on the things that are going wrong. And Jesus says, no, 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 look up. Look up. And contentment is easy to find. So Ben, I hope that helps. It is really important that we are content. Otherwise, uh, our witness to unbelievers is compromised severely. Three, four, zero, ninety-five, eighty-five. No, I didn't forget. I was looking at a question that didn't finish. I don't know what I, what I did. Uh, it's, it's from Danny. How can I respond to a growing number of Christian? Danny, I didn't get the rest of the question for some reason. So maybe if you want to respond uh, to me again, um, I'll um, I'll be able to figure out what it is that you were asking about. Please forgive me, Danny. Um, Tony, this is a related question to the one we just had. Tony says, I struggle with the Thanksgiving holiday. Is it okay not to participate? Tony, no, it's not okay. Every day is Thanksgiving for the believer. Every day is Thanksgiving. And you need to remember and, and see our when we get to this place, and, and I understand how it can happen. I understand there are people who really struggle with the holidays. They've lost loved ones. Um, I get it. However, 
Remember, we're not here for ourselves. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. And so here's the opportunity for us um, to get the focus off of us and onto other people. In the study coming up on Friday night uh, in um, Philippians, uh, Paul says that we're to, to, to consider others better than ourselves. Um, we need to focus out and up rather than just focusing in on how we feel. So, Tony, let me say this. I think this is a really, really important pattern for Christians to break. I think when a Christian says, I struggle, when they say I struggle with uh, Christmas or the holidays or Thanksgiving because this happened or that happened, um, I I think what we've done is we've so compromised our witness that uh, God is not able to use us. I think we're quenching the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. So this is a pattern that needs to be broken. And here's what you do. As we get close, it's Monday. You've got two more full days before we wake up and it's Thanksgiving. You simply open your Bible and you start reading and you just comment on all of the things that you can be thankful for. For me, uh, Romans chapter 8, and I use it a lot here at our church, just just the promises in that one chapter, Tony, just the, the promises in that one chapter are so glorious that it spurns thanksgiving, a grateful heart. And you need to get your mind off of what you're going through, the the predictability uh, of, well, every time, every holiday season has happened. So, Tony, here's what you do. No matter what's going on in your life, there's things that you can be grateful for. And in your gratitude, you can cry out to God and in that that's a form of worship and in that form of worship i promise you the holy spirit is going to fall upon you and he'll change he wants to use you in thanksgiving if you're going to be around family and they're difficult um you know god says tony i need a light in a dark place if it's because of things that you've had happen to you around thanksgiving or the other holidays All you have to do is say, Jesus, you were there with me in that. And now I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to look up instead of just looking in at all these things. If God is for you, who can be against you? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I could go on and on and on, Tony. That's just Romans chapter 8. So open your Bible and say, Jesus, I'm too focused on me. One of the things I say to people all the time, and and this doesn't win friends and, and, um, and, and sometimes it doesn't influence people, but, but my job is to get people to look, um, first inside, examine themselves and then look up to Jesus. And one of the things I say all the time is there's just too much you in your life. You got to lose you. Jesus said, if you find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for him, you'll find it. And Tony, honestly, losing our life in favor of surrendering it to Jesus Christ is the one thing 
that I promise you will change everything as it relates to your difficult times during the holidays. I understand why you have them, but it's time that we change them. This is something that you shouldn't be struggling with year after year after year. God wants you to be freed from this. It is for freedom you've been set free, Galatians 5 says. So this is a time to say, I don't want to be held in bondage. I don't want to be held captive by my emotions anymore or by the things that happened. What I want to do is rejoice in your presence. And then all you got to do is fight like crazy. There's a spiritual component to this as well. Fight like crazy to get in the presence of God. You'll be okay. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left. We'd love your calls and questions, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our program, and thank you for putting up with my voice and my coughing today. I have a question from Zia, or my producer says it's Zia. Uh, and Gia, it's X-I-A, so I'm doing my best here. Uh, she says, uh, what did you mean in a recent message that obedience is the trigger for the Holy Spirit? It seemed like you were saying that people who weren't 100% obedient don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for ask, asking this question. Um, this has been a major theme in my last two Sunday studies. Obviously, we are in the book of Acts, and uh, um, in in the study yesterday, the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers, and if they weren't obedient, Jesus said to go to Jerusalem and wait. They waited 10 days. That 10 days must have seemed like 10 years, Uh, but if they weren't there, if they weren't obedient, then there wouldn't have been there for the experience, and so here's the idea. See how we've... we've, um, Acts 5.32 says, God gives the Holy Spirit, and the context there is in power, to those who obey. And what that means by definition is that if you're not obedient, then there's no power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, the power that raised Christ from the dead still lives in you, but that power is dormant. It's like my grass in the wintertime. It goes dormant until the sun comes out and spring comes back. And we can start watering it again, and then it comes to life. Well, in the life of a Christian, if you're living in disobedience, um, then it's real simple. Um, You're quenching the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it an amazing thing that God the Holy Spirit, who is fully God, has unlimited power, and yet we have the ability to sort of snuff that power out? And so when we're, when we're not being obedient to the Lord, then there's no power. Now, it, it doesn't mean the Spirit isn't in us. If you're truly born again, Zia, the, then, then we're saved. That's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. So we're saved, but it's like we're, we're muffling that power. We're quenching that power. 
And then when we walk in obedience to the Lord, then that power is available full force. And we want to walk in that power. Now, when it says that you seem like I was saying that people aren't 100% obedient, don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're disobedient and you're unrepentant, then there is no power available to you. It'd be like going out and trying to start your car with a dead battery. Can you imagine having an electric car and the batteries are dead and it never occurs you to plug it in to get a recharge? Well, that's what disobedience does. It, It disconnects us from the source of power. And so we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, here's the really good news, Zia. The, the, uh, the, the trigger for full power all over again is simply say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Let's, let's start over again. And then you purpose in your heart, I'm going to walk in obedience because I don't want to live without this power. So it's not like you have to be perfect to have the power of the Holy Spirit, but you really do have to want to be perfect. And then when you fall short, and that's what sin is, it's falling short of the glory of God, um, we simply ask God to forgive us. And and he does. First John 1, 9 says he does that. And then instantly that access to that power is back and available And we don't have to worry about anything at all then. And then we're walking in fellowship with God. We're we're as though we didn't sin. And that's what's really important. If there's a part of your life, um, let me explain it this way. I had a a woman ask me uh, some years ago. She said, Pastor Ron, I'm like being 95% obedient to everything God wants for me. But there's this one part of my life that I just am not ready to give up. She said, so will God bless me 95%? And I said, no, because that's not being obedient. So if there's something in your life you're holding on to, that's why Paul, the writer of Hebrews, says, I think the writer of Hebrews, uh, says uh, that we're to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So Zia, you can... Uh, you've got the Spirit, you've got this unlimited source of power living in you, but if it's not active, and it's only active in obedience, if it's not active, then it's really of no immediate value to you. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians 13 that we're to, to examine ourselves daily because we want to be sure that we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit for everything that we do. You know, see, I said in, in uh, service yesterday to our church, um, it's like the old American Express commercial, you know, said don't leave home without it. Every Christian needs to purpose in our hearts not to leave home without the power of the Holy Spirit every day. And that means we need to keep short accounts. That need, means we need to examine our heart and repent and ask for forgiveness if we find ourselves falling short. If we're, if, we're, if we're simply not doing something, not walking by faith, not trusting the Lord, then we've got to say, Lord, forgive me. Take my hand and I'm going to walk with you and keep me close, Lord. And then that power is completely available to you all over again. So that's what I meant, Z. I hope I communicated that well. But that's been a major theme in our last two uh, Sunday Bible studies. Let's go to Cindy on line one from San Antonio. Cindy, thank you for the call. You're on the air. 
Hi, Pastor Ron. How are you? I am fine. I'm staying warm. Of course, it doesn't bother me too much. I'm, I might get tired of it in another week or so if it doesn't hurry up and get to be what Texas usually is this time of year. But for now, I, I, can, I can live with it. Now, you know what? I've been thinking about something since we were in this scripture. It's uh, Acts chapter 1, and I'll read it, verse 9 through 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Now, this last part is what I'm focusing on. I'm curious as to what what everything what what is everything that the angels actually know? I know that nobody knows what time Jesus is coming back, but how do they know he's going to come back in a cloud the same way that he left if they had they seen it? Have they seen the end of everything? Or, you know, I'm just curious yeah. how, how this works out. So I'm going to get off the phone and, and <laughs> let you untangle this for me. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. God bless you for your call. Hey, um, you know, we don't know what the angels know. Um, we know that they don't know when he's coming back. That's, that's very clear. Jesus uh, indicates that a couple of times. And it's also interesting, at least to me, that the angels, it appears that, that, that the, the, the Godhead, um, likes to keep the angels in suspense. It's almost like they're they're longing to look into the things going on on earth. So we, we know that their knowledge is limited. But in this particular case, Cindy, these two angels were sent um, sort of on a mission from God um, to, to spur the disciples, the apostles now, um, um, onto business, get busy. Uh, I told you to go Jerusalem. What are you standing here for? Go. And the idea that he went in a cloud is not the key. That's that's the the cloud is the glory of God, the Shekinah of God. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back in his glory, and it's going to be spectacular. Um, there, there'll be no hiding him, but he's going to come back clothed in that same glory. And in fact, Cindy, you and I are going to be part of that glory because we're going to be with him along with, it appears, um, the angels or the host of the angels in heaven. So the idea here is that he's going to come back. The emphasis on this same Jesus is going to come back in the same way. Uh, he's going to come back in that physical body, in that glorified, resurrected, yet wounded body. So just as they saw him ascend, the whole world is going to see him descend. And we can read about that in Revelation chapter 19 when he comes back to establish his kingdom and set things right. So that's that's what they were doing. And, and, and in essence, they were they were saying, OK, enough, get get busy. It's like telling our kids, uh, well, I want you to get this done and get this done. And, and they kind of stand around rather than get to work. That's just the angel saying, get to work. Go do what he told you to do. Get busy. And by the way, that's a really good word for a lot of us in in this radio audience. 
Uh, the Lord is, is saying to a bunch of us, get busy. Stop waiting. Stop uh, spiritually uh, explaining away why you're, why you're being disobedient or why you're waiting for something. Get busy about my business. And that's all they were saying. Now, in the, the, the case of these uh, disciples who will become apostles, uh, when the Holy Spirit falls, um, we can understand what a staggering moment that would be. I mean, they have been with Jesus for 40 days. He's been appearing to them and teaching them, preparing them for life without him on this earth. And we don't, we don't know what that preparation was. We don't know what kind of details they were given. But for 40 days, and suddenly he's teaching them, and he begins to rise. I think all of us would kind of stare into the sky and saying, am I really seeing this? What a, a privilege it would be to be there at that moment. Your eyes are fixed on him as he's going up and up and up until finally uh, he's enveloped by the cloud, by his glory, and we can see him no longer. Um, you know, they didn't know if he was coming right back. They didn't know what was going to happen next. So they were sitting there waiting, and the angels were just telling him, okay, it's time to get off the bench and get into the game. And then, of course, we know that they had 10 more days of waiting. Cindy, thank you for that question. You know, I've made a big deal in these last two Bible studies uh, in, in the book of Acts here at church about that 10-day period of time. You know, that, that, that 10 days would, would have seemed like 10 years to them um, because they didn't know what they were waiting for. They were being told to go back to Jerusalem where actually their lives were in danger um, with all of the uproar about Jesus' tomb being empty, um, the religious leaders, and no doubt the Romans as well, were looking to um, to, to apprehend um, the, the disciples and, and, and possibly put them to death. So it was a dangerous time for them. And remember, these aren't the biggest faith giants in the world, or at least at this point, because the Holy Spirit has not fallen yet. And the idea of getting back to work... Ten days waiting for that. Every day they get up and say, well, it didn't happen yesterday. I said in the Bible study yesterday, imagine them greeting one another first thing in the morning and one of them looking at the other one and saying, did anything happen to you last night? For ten days. Honestly, we have a hard time sometimes waiting ten minutes for an answer to prayer. But for ten days they would get discouraged just like we do because they're flesh just like we are. I think the lesson is you be about what he told you to do and you'll always be there when suddenly, I like that word in Rome, in uh, Acts chapter 2, suddenly a sound of a mighty rushing wind came. We always want to be ready when suddenly happens. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Here is an anonymous question. Pastor, how do you reconcile good people going to hell because they weren't Christians and the idea of a loving God? Um, anonymous, that's a, I don't think it's an honest question. Um, we know God is good. Uh, he proved he was good. He proved how much he loved us by sending his son to die for us. Uh, Jesus begged him if there was any way this cup can pass for me. And, and the father hung in there and said, nope, there's no way. And 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 this is a cup that you're going to partake of. Um, 
the idea of that not being loving when every single human is born a sinner and sin separates us from God. The idea that God made a way for us to bridge that gap demonstrates his love for us. Now, the other problem is our concept of good and God's concept of good are completely different. Remember Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, when Jesus is raising the stakes in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He summed it up. God can't look on sin. If you want to have fellowship with God, you have to be perfect. Jesus is basically saying, if you don't accept me, if you don't believe me, now remember, he's talking to Jews. If you don't accept me, then here's the way to, to get to heaven. You've got to be perfect. And then he raised the standard of what perfection is. But because he loved us, he gave us his perfection. And all we have to do is believe and receive, be born again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we could become the righteousness or the perfection of God. So good people... Even the best person in the world. I don't know who the best person in the world is. But the, the very best person in the world is still separated from God. And God has said, look, you're a sinner. I can't be in the presence of sin. So believe in my son and you can be perfect. Now, how loving is that? Now, we see good people, people that are nice, people that appear to be moral, uh, people that make positive contributions to the world. And we think, well, they're really good people, but but we're not good at all. There is none good, not even one. No one who is righteous, the Bible says. And so the way we reconcile that is simple. We just say, look, Jesus, I need your goodness. And he offers it to you. And that is the most loving thing that he could do. So the idea of not going to hell um, is the only way to express that God is loving, is to miss the whole point. God doesn't force anyone to believe. He offers the gospel free of charge to everyone. But those who reject it, it's not God sending them, sending them to hell. It's the choice that they made. And God simply honors the choices that we make in life. He honors those choices in death. So anonymous, um, I hope that makes sense to you. Um, but if the question is dishonest as I think it is, um, probably it makes no sense at all because you've already got your mind made up. So let me tell you this. Jesus died for your sins, and you can be perfect. And that's why Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, I get the tickle out of the kids when they're getting a, a, a quiz. They don't like pop quizzes. They like knowing when the test is going to come up, and they like the sort of the test reviews that the teachers do um, in the days leading up to the test so they kind of know what to expect. Um, well, Jesus did that. He gave us a, a test review. No one comes to the Father except through me, so here's your chance to believe. And that's all you've got to do. All you've got to do is believe him. He died for you so that you could give him your sin in exchange. 
he could give you his perfection. Here is another anonymous question. Oh, this one's going to get me in trouble with some people. This one is, should Christians use dating apps? Um, I'm going to give you only my opinion because obviously dating apps are not um, something that we can look up in the Bible and find out what God thinks. But we can have the heart and the mind of God on things like this. Um, My opinion is that no Christian should not use dating apps. And uh, I've got some people in my church who are faithful, loving Christians who met on a dating app and they got married. And whenever I say, no, online dating is something Christians shouldn't participate in, they say, but, but I found the perfect one. And I realize that young people especially do everything online. However, I would ask this question, where's the faith in doing this? You know, the young man or the young woman who is single and wants to be married, instead of saying, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. I'm going to walk with you every day, and I'm going to fall more in love with you every day. And Lord, prepare me for the man or for the woman that you're preparing for me. That's faith. Instead of saying that, we say, well, I'm going to get on a dating app and find somebody. Isn't it kind of like saying, okay, Lord, uh, I want your will in my life, but I'm going to take over now. So Anonymous, I don't think Christians should use dating apps. I think this is a matter, especially these most important matters, I think these are things that we ought to depend on God and God alone for. So maybe I'm a Luddite, maybe I'm um, just too old to be of any use in this world, but trusting God is always the preferred path. And you see, when you trust the Lord, um, there are not going to be unpleasant surprises. To the contrary, I know a lot of people that have been unpleasantly surprised when they found out that the person um, that they were talking to on that dating app wasn't really a born-again Christian at all. So that's my opinion for whatever it's worth. Um, four minutes left. I can take Raphael's question. This will be the last one for the day. Raphael says, will you talk about transition plans for aging pastors? Uh, I resemble that question, Raphael. (laughs) Um, I think having transition plans is very important. Uh, I think the pastor that loves his church, loves his people, it's going to care for them just the same way a, a grandfather or a father uh, cares for their families, immediate and extended families. Um, you know, we want to prepare our people for that which comes uh, next. I'm 71 years old, and we have a transition plan uh, in place, and it is a, a plan that our church knows about. They know the man, Pastor Ken, who's on this radio program uh, when I'm not. Um, uh, Pastor Ken is going to take over for me. We know that. Thank God he's not in a hurry because I'm certainly not in a hurry uh, to, to, to walk away. I, I've, I've, I don't even have a desire at this point to slow down. Um, but things can change in an instant. And when that happens, uh, I want the church to be blessed with the security of knowing that we prepared for this. And I think the pastor that uh, just sort of hangs on and and uh, dies suddenly 
uh, as has not done his church, a church that he says he loves any favors at all. Raphael, our pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, who died, um, uh, I think, eight, nine years ago now. Um, and um, um, when when he went to be with the Lord, uh, he didn't have a transition plan in place. Uh, he, he honestly felt like Jesus would be back uh, before he died. Um, uh, but, but, but again, I, I think that's a failure to occupy, to, to be prepared. At the same time, um, when he was gone, there was nobody there to take his place. And, and uh, you know, there was a lot of sort of infighting about who it was going to be. And uh, the reality is, is after these nine years um, since his death, um, we're still not sure who's in charge. So the church is individual just doing what they do. But but here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, uh, we have a transition plan. Uh, and um, um, it needs to be something that everybody knows about so it's not a surprise. I actually refer to Pastor Ken taking over for me uh, frequently in, in messages and things when, when the opportunity to present itself in the context of the study. And I want people to be able to sit down and know that Calvary Chapel of San Antonio is going uh, to continue doing the work, following the vision that God has given us. Uh, I this church does not need me. Um, I, I'm 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 so honored and privileged to to be able to do what I do. But the reality is is it, this church belongs to Jesus. It's His power that's running it, and I'm sure Pastor Ken will do a far better job than I've done with Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, be able to take Calvary Chapel down that next path that the Lord has. So, Raphael, it is, I think, essential for the pastor to have a transition plan in place. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for um, putting up with my voice tomorrow. Pastor Chris Sanchez will be my guest. You've been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.